Hello, and welcome to the Human Entropy Podcast, a podcast where we can discuss the chaos, the adversity, and the triumph that is being human. I'm Felicia Parker. I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm passionate about sharing the resilience I see in other people that inspire me to chase what makes me feel most alive. This is a place to be a friend, a place to encourage, and a place to challenge. This is Human Entropy. good to see you (laughs) yay I actually like that I can see you and that you can't see me (laughs) not not a fair deal (laughs) I know I'm sorry but my my camera hasn't been working it's a whole thing the computer is actually pretty old I need to get a new one soon how are you doing um I'm doing really good I I feel like God is healing me really fast this time and I'm Mm -hmm. really really grateful for it we haven't like scanned for results or anything like that but um When I arrived here, I am in no way exaggerating. I was, I was truly dying mm-hmm. um, and I couldn't walk or I would barely speak louder than a whisper. Um, I couldn't eat more than like a few spoonfuls of something at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm walking up and down the stairs. I'm doing squats every day <laughs> and <laughs> trying to get this chopstick body back to like looking normal. Um, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much functioning as a normal functioning adult human being, like yeah. food and eating and sleeping and things that you don't think are like gifts until you don't have them. Mm. So I'm like, real excited about little things like that. Yeah. Yeah. You look awesome. You really do. I'm so excited. And that's so good to hear because I'm so oh. you're making a podcast. Yeah, I'm doing it. I don't know what I'm doing at all, but I'm, I have an idea and a vision and thankfully feel like I know enough people that have really important things to say that other people need to hear. And I love that you reached out and asked if we could do this because oh, love it. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> My eyes are just, I don't know. I'm just learning so much. Uh-huh. I'm so excited to share with people the things. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Well, you said that you know a lot about entropy, which is really good because I need to learn about it because I guess I should tell you the story of how I got the name for the podcast, but I was out with my friend Katie um, at Embers on 12 South and this dude came up. He asked me what I wanted to do because what I'm doing to make money right now is not what I want to be doing. And then I told him about the podcast and what I wanted it to look like and what I wanted the theme to be. And he was like, you should call it human entropy. And I was like, okay, great. So I wrote it down. And then I looked up the definition of entropy. um, And I looked up a lot of definitions on it. What I read was that it kind of has two meanings that I found. So one definition that I found was that it's the belief that you can't have order without disorder essentially, or it's also the measurement of chaos, which is an oxymoron because you can't measure chaos, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Are, are any of those things accurate? Um, almost. So okay. um, I, I think it's the second law of thermodynamics or the okay. principle of entropy is um, explained. And it says that things, everything on the planet and in the universe naturally goes from order to disorder. So, um, for example, you never, um, 
come home after a long day of work and say, oh my gosh, how did my room get so clean? I just messed it up. Wow, my room just gets cleaner and cleaner. <laughs> but um, you come home and you're like, oh my gosh, my room is getting messier and messier and messier um, because I'm not doing anything to clean it. So it's like things naturally will break down unless you resist and uh, fight to put things back in order and back into their proper place. So same reason why like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of another example, but even in relationships and um, in your career and where you want to go in your life, things naturally are going to get worse because that's, uh, that is just like a law of thermodynamics. It's a lot like our bodies decay, Mm -hmm. relationships decay, buildings that we make decay they don't get better without us doing anything about it but if we do nothing everything will automatically kind of break down and get worse Mm -hmm. and I wrote a song that used the word entropy in it a really long time ago Mm -hmm. um which is why I was um like like your podcast really like sparked interest with me because I was like I love that word Mm -hmm. I feel like there's so like there's so much depth to what that means in so many places it can be applied yeah yeah well, I love that you actually know what it means. <laughs> um, that was a great lesson with Jane that we all needed. <laughs> what is the song that you wrote? Have I heard it? Probably not. I released it a long time ago when I was making this very art, this very um, like folksy music. Uh-huh. And the song's called Our Time. And it says, uh, the line is about, you know, the breakdown of a relationship. And it said, entropy and time will get their way. Life and all we treasure will rust and decay. But the mm-hmm. things that now are new will surely someday be old too. And it's kind of about the, the cycles of like the death life cycle of everything. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta let something go if you really want to be reborn and move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. Well, I don't really have a ton of direction. Uh, I really just, I'm myself as a listener to you. I just want to hear what your journey has been, what you want to share obviously what this is doing to your spirit and who you're becoming through all of it. If you want to just give a backstory to who you are, where you're from, how old you are, what life has looked like for you lately. And you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, My name's Jane Claudio. Mm -hmm. I am an artist from Nashville. I'm 29 Mm -hmm. and I've been on a absolutely wild, um, journey that just keeps getting like weirder and weirder and weirder Mm -hmm. as time goes on and stranger and stranger. I moved to Nashville in 2014 or 2015 and I had just gotten married and uh, I was kind of recovering from a season in my life where I had found some success in music as an artist in my college town and I was coming from a position in my life where I was liked and known by everyone around me but I wasn't liked or known by myself. And at that point, I decided I needed to take a step back from music and reevaluate my life. And I needed to figure out why I was doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I took three years off. And that was kind of a, an agreement that I had made with the Lord to say, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to like really let this thing die. And then three years, we're going we're gonna to do this and we're going to resurrect. There's this biblical principle about the like the number three mm-hmm. where Jesus, Jesus had died and he was in the tomb for three days and Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days. And then uh, the big stuff really happens after that resurrection moment. Mm-hmm. So 
I had really, I had sat down music for three years. And then in September, 2017, that was the month that I was supposed to start again and make music and spread my wings and soar. And that was when I found out that I had breast cancer. I was really, really shocked by it and hurt by it and disappointed and angry and all kinds of things. Yeah. But I think the resurrection that I encountered during that period of my, of my life was really more about like the person that I truly am and the spirit about me. Mm -hmm. Um, it was about, uh, like recentering and realizing like what my voice is for, because I think before I had used my voice to, to get applause that would distract me from how empty I felt without it. Mm. And walking through cancer that first time just gave me this new perspective and an understanding of the way that I was so loved with or without anything that I could use to prove it. And that was like my big first journey with cancer. And now I have cancer again, which we can maybe talk about <laughs> more. Um, yeah, I mean, so I guess if you are okay with it, what do you mean? Like you feel like before you had to prove that you were worthy of love like when you were doing all the stuff you mentioned yeah would it matter getting praise from people if you felt empty inside where does that come from for you like is that something you always struggled with yeah it is my core struggle is the belief that I am loved and worthy of love with or without anything mm -hmm. that I can prove it so in my uh I guess the way that that insecurity had manifested itself for most of my life was me being such an achiever and a performer. So whatever the people wanted, whatever my parents wanted, whatever my teachers wanted or my coaches or my pastors or my friends, I would learn how to be it and do it. And I was so good at it. Just mm -hmm. acclimating to whatever people's expectations were. Um, I was so good at getting the, like the praise of people. And I didn't realize that was to the detriment of like my own spirit and my own soul. And I was so addicted to this affirmation from other people. And it truly became a problem whenever music started being successful for me mm -hmm. <laughs> when I was in college, mm -hmm. uh, because I just absorbed all of this attention and praise and like just glory being somebody that was more important than everyone else. And then cancer for me and walking through that three year period where I wasn't anyone special at all. That was hard enough already. But then when cancer happens at the end of that season, I'm left with even less than I had before. Because when you cancer, I don't know, like you lose weight and you lose your hair and your eyelashes and you can't breathe very well and you sleep all day and you're throwing up all the time. And like you really even, you're so sick from it that you lose your personality too. So going through cancer and losing even more of the tools that I had in my toolbox it, it left me like truly with nothing in my hands to prove that I was worth loving. And that was the moment when I was met with, I was just like able to see clearly that like love is not earned. And if you, if you have to earn it, then it was never love to begin with. And I had so much love, um, so much support and, and uh, so many real relationships. And I didn't actually believe that that was possible, that I was able to be loved without me being amazing. Mm -hmm. So when I came to a season where everything that I had was gone and I was still like so loved and surrounded and supported and known and seen, that was absolutely paradigm shattering for me. Well, that's, I guess, one good thing <laughs> that came out of that. <laughs> and the fact that that first time that you got cancer, you beat it, which is amazing and such a cool story to tell. But now you are 
battling it again and it's not breast cancer it's that kind right um cancer is a little complicated so technically it is still breast cancer even though i don't actually have breasts at all i had them cut off for the first cancer mm-hmm. um but there was some remaining circulating tumors that are now well i don't know if they're there now because i feel better but they had spread to my liver lymph nodes lungs bones um rib cage like all over the place like innumerable tumors and that's the word that they use too just innumerable <laughs> um which is why i still have a little cough it's not coronavirus <laughs> But my little brother does take my temperature like every time I cough and it's so oh. annoying. Um, <laughs> Just looking out. <laughs> I know, he's so sweet. Um, anyway, yeah, so uh, dang. So I survived cancer the first time, mm-hmm. which um, was like a miracle in itself. It was mm-hmm. awesome. And uh, I came out of that season and God was just so faithful to me to redeem the time that was lost. Because first of all, like I had to walk through this desert of a like this desert of obedience and, and laying down music in the first place. And then when I thought that desert was over, I'm now walking through this other valley of disappointment, which was cancer. God is like so faithful. Anything that's taken from you, like he will restore and give back. So that year, there was about a year and a half between my first and my second cancer. And during that year and a half, like God really gave me so much favor with music. I released a song and it was amazing and I did an amazing video. I was able to travel to England to perform for a week. Um, and then so cool. I was also invited to go open up in a sold out arena show for Tori Kelly. Yeah. And that was just one of those things that should not ever, that I've never heard of happening to someone. Mm-hmm. I was, it was my first ever show as Nightbird because I had rebranded myself after all this mm-hmm. and I had never before played a show with these songs and I get invited to do it in an arena for someone who had just won two Grammys and I'm invited to go and do it by myself with a piano spotlight on me, just me and a mic and a keyboard. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, un- it, well, it's really unbelievable. And, uh, I've never heard of that happening to anyone ever. Mm-hmm. And that was my that was my debut. And that was really incredible. And I had a really great year. And then there was a lot of entropy in my personal life over that year as well, which kind of had slowed down as much. I, I wasn't able to do as much with music as uh, I wanted to. I was just really focused on healing some relationships in my life. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of another thing that I had to like, lay down on the altar before the Lord and say like, okay, um, as much as I want to like go and try to be a superstar right now, like my real focus needs to be on like these broken relationships in my life. Because if I'm, if I'm not willing to like give up this dream to heal, like a relationship that I've fully committed to and promised myself to, then like, I'm not even worthy of having attention in that way. Like I'm not worthy of being a leader if I'm not willing to let this go in order to do the right thing. So a lot of um, the past year and a half has been focused on that as well. Yeah. Um, and it really, I mean, it's really wild and it's really, really just strange and tragic and beautiful and all of, all of the things at the same time. But um, I ended up like losing that relationship and that same, well, and within the same two weeks, my find out my marriage is ending. And I find out that I'm being given three to six months to live um, because there's innumerable tumors in my body that I had no awareness of whatsoever. 
And it was, it was a really bad six months because I, my health was like slowly deteriorating and I didn't understand why I had all these weird symptoms. And, uh, so you did have symptoms beforehand. That's why you went to go get, you went to the doctor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was losing weight. I was really nauseous. Mm. Um, I had a lot of back pain, shortness of breath. Um, but it all seemed so unrelated. I would have never thought it was cancer, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I thought I would go and find out just in case. Mm-hmm. So that was a, and that's kind of the season that I'm, that was, gosh, that was three months ago or something. So it is crazy because three months ago, I was told by more than one doctor that I was actually like my body was in the process of dying and I wasn't walking, I wasn't eating or couldn't sleep laying down. Like, I really can't even describe what that is like. And then to deal with like additional emotional turmoil on top of that, it was really like, and it has been the hardest battle that I've ever had to fight. But the the beauty of it is that, and I truly, truly believe this, and I'll say this to anybody who gets some kind of like diagnosis from a doctor or something, if you want to live, then you will. Like if you are willing to take the crazy step and fight for yourself, and if like you will pull your spirit up and really hold on to courage then like your body is actually going to follow suit to what like your spirit says. Mm -hmm. So your cells are listening to your thoughts all the time. Mm -hmm. So if you want to live, then you can, no matter what you've been told. And I am experiencing that reality now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I also very much believe that our spirits and our bodies are so connected that it's insane. And I'm sorry that you can't see me, (laughs) but I can see you. And yes, because there's so much life in everything that I can see, even over a computer screen in you. Life is so precious and worth fighting for. And I love that you're fighting for it. And I love that you're feeling better. And that is just a lot to be walking through. And on top of all of that, choose to fight. And it's very inspiring. I'm really glad that you're sharing it with Whoever's going to listen to this. Yeah. Well, before I had even found out what was going on in my body, I was sick for a long time. Like I said, (laughs) kind of just general fatigue and uh, just lots of random things wrong with me. And I was laying in bed one night and I was starting to get nervous and really worried because I was like, what if this is cancer? Mm. Uh, But I was like, no, it couldn't possibly be cancer. And I asked the Lord, like, is this cancer? Like what is going on in my body and when am I going to get better? And I heard it clear as day. And the Lord said to me, teach your heart to hope and your body will follow. Mm. And I have that written down like all over my house because later I did find out that it was cancer, really bad cancer. Mm. And some doctors have told me that they're like, there's no hope for me, no chance for me. But even before I heard that news from a human person, from the Lord, I heard that, like, if I can keep my heart in a posture of this, like, rebellious hope, Mm. this um, offensive hope that hopes in the face of all of these reasons why I shouldn't, Mm -hmm. if I can get my heart into that valiant place, then my body is going to just follow suit and my body will hope as well. And my body will heal itself as well. And that's been my mantra over this whole thing. Not just to hope that I'll live and survive and have an okay life, you know, but 
I've always had big dreams and uh, big aspirations and big stories that I want to tell. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of work to be done on the planet, a lot of hearts that need healing, a lot of people that need walked home, a lot of poems that need to be tucked under stones in the forest for people that are struggling through. And I want to play a part in that. And that that is the thing that my heart is hoping for is these big, amazing, monumental things because I've, I have been experiencing this catastrophic, just this impossibly catastrophic situation in my life. And that leads me to believe that some impossibly redemptive thing can also happen. Just like I was invited to go do this big show, just me and a piano in an arena for the first time ever singing these songs. That's an impossible impossible situation and it happened to me so these impossibly catastrophic things happen but so do these just really unbelievably amazing redemptive grace-filled things can happen I believe in both of them Mm -hmm. wow so right now you're in LA and (laughs) how long have you been there I moved to LA on February the 3rd probably so I've been here for almost two months Mm -hmm. The time has really flown by. It's kind of when you're super, super sick, like you have no context of time because you're asleep all day and all night and you're just like in a dreamlike state all the time. I finally feel like I'm coming into myself and waking up and I'm really, really enjoying being here. Yeah. I'll probably, I, I came to an alternative clinic. So I decided conventional medicine, basically the doctor said like, we can't save you. The best we can do is a year or two. And I was like, well, that's not good enough for me. <laughs> so thank you. I'm going to go find someone else who actually says that they can heal me, even if they're a little bit eccentric. So I'm at this really crazy, very fun and colorful alternative clinic. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting like some really amazing results. And they see miracles all the time. People sick, just like me, mm-hmm. are able to live long, long, meaningful, bountiful lives. Yeah. So that's what I'm after. And I've met some really amazing people just like me, all these crazy people who fly across the country in the middle of the coronavirus to try to find an answer. And it's really, it's really inspiring because I get to meet all these, um, all these like valiant people. Yeah, I love that. There's something that you said earlier about when you were saying what God told you about if you chase after that offensive hope in your heart, your body will follow. I know I believe that too wholeheartedly. And I love that that's something that's true for you. And you're seeing the results of that right now, just by feeling better in your body. I feel like it's awesome that you heard that before you even found out that you had cancer again. But what does that look like for you holding on to that hope? Because obviously not every day is going to look like, yep, I'm ready to fight. It's probably yeah. harder to want to fight than to yeah. fight. So what, what does that look like for you? At the beginning, I was so devastated and so ripped up by all the things that were going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. I had absolutely no capacity to fight for myself. Mm-hmm. Truly, there were times when I was going into a surgery and I prayed to Jesus that I would not wake up from the anesthesia because I was just in so much pain in every sense of the word. I didn't want to try anymore. In those moments at the very beginning, when I really didn't have it in me, it was my best friends and my mom and my brothers who just grabbed me by the hand and pulled me up out of the mud, like until I could even learn how to like hope for myself at all. And I'm so, so grateful for that because there are times when we come into like 
the lowest sunken place and you do not know how to pray, you do not have words, you do not have hands big enough for like the pain that has been like thrust upon you. Mm. And the only way that I am even standing here, the way that I am now is because of those people that dragged me up. Practically though, it's been uh, like a lot of visualization and like just like imagining all the good things that I want to do in my life, imagining, like remembering all the old dreams that I had and like dusting them off and even like writing plans for them. What do I want to do? What do I want to say? How am I going to tell this story? Who needs this story and how can I get it to them? I'm, I'm like dreaming all of these things in the future. And it's almost like I'm prophesying things that are to come just by dreaming for them, which is really beautiful. And I've also been just surrounding myself with words of hope and positivity if faith comes by hearing then my ears need to hear in order for my faith to grow so um sometimes uh that looks like uh just saying out loud i'm healed i'm healing i'm getting better every day Mm -hmm. or like looking down at my little like chopstick alien bald eagle body and saying thank you so much for fighting for me these things that i say out loud and the words that i surround myself with have made all the difference yeah that's very encouraging. So what, what is it that, I mean, you did say already, you think every person that's ever been faced with a diagnosis should hear that if you want to live, you will. When you get to the other end of all of this, what do you hope that you can look back on? What do you hope that people see through you and are inspired by through you and through what you are overcoming? Yeah. The best way that I can sum this up, it's, um, a verse in, I think it's Psalm 131. Mm-hmm. It says, I don't occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child with his mother. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to walk through the uncertainty of this season because I've taken on this perspective like, I am no longer going to demand an answer from the universe from God, from the people that hurt me or abandoned me. I'm no longer going to demand an answer or I'm not going to exhaust myself trying to understand something that cannot be understood. Mm. But instead, I'm just going to calm. I'm going to like soothe myself like a weaned child with its mother. And, and like when a child is weaned, like truly they're not begging for the milk anymore. Mm. They like have already had enough and they're satisfied by it. And they are no longer asking for anything else from their mother, but just to be with her and to be held by her. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just trying to embody the sense of, I'm no longer going to demand an answer or an explanation or an apology, but instead I'm just going to like quiet my spirit and comfort my spirit. And that is something that you can do for yourself, no matter what season that you're in is uh, it's almost like, That's what it is to forgive God for the way that he's disappointed you. I know that God doesn't sin against anyone or wrong anyone, but we often hold grudges against God for disappointing us, or we feel like we were deceived, or um, we feel like he's not giving us the answers we deserve. But when you need to forgive God for the way that he's let you down, that's what that looks like. It looks like stopping the demand for an answer or an explanation. And just to say, you know what, like, I'm not going to pull on you anymore. I'm just going to be with you and like quiet myself. 
that's the true survival tip, at least for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have not gone through (laughs) anything related to like what you have had to go through these last few months, but in 25 years of life, even though I feel like really, I haven't even known what a real relationship with the Lord is until like five and a half years ago. And in that time, forgiveness, especially from God, for me, I have learned is always more for you than it is for the person that needs the forgiveness, if that makes sense. Like, oh, yeah. it's so much more, it's just exactly what you said. It, it so calms your spirit and takes a weight off of your shoulders. And if anything, that's probably healing you so much faster too, having that as a tablet on your spirit and letting that be something that you're holding on to instead of needing answers that you do deserve, rightfully so. But your spirit is so much better off with that posture. Yeah, I'm reading this amazing book. It's an allegory and it's very cute. Um, (laughs) It's um, very childlike, but um, in the book, it's a story about a little sheep with a broken leg and her name is much afraid. And she meets the shepherd that promises he's going to lead her to the highest places. Mm -hmm. And uh, she goes on this journey where, you know, and she says, you know, I can't climb a mountain. First of all, I'm a sheep and sheep don't do that. But second of all, like I have a broken leg. Um, My leg's always been broken. Mm -hmm. And she is climbing up this rock and she sees this red flower coming out of the rock. And she asks the flower, what's your name? And the flower says, my name is bearing the cost. Um, but some people call me forgiveness. I'm actually going to, hold on, I have a book right here. I'm just going to read this little thing that the, that the flower says, because it's really beautiful. Yeah. I was separated from all my companions, exiled from home, carried here and imprisoned in this rock. It was not my choice, but the work of others. When they had dropped me here, went away and left me to bear the results of what they had done. And then she says, I have borne and I have not fainted. I have not ceased to love. And love helped me push through the crack in the rock until I could look right out onto my love, the son himself. See now, there is nothing whatever between my love and my heart, nothing around to distract me from him. He shines upon me and makes me to rejoice. And he has atoned to me for everything that was taken and done against me. There is no flower in all the world more blessed or more satisfied than I. But I thought that was so beautiful because I had never heard it explained that way, that forgiveness means to bear the cost of what others had done. Mm. Um, Because often when we are holding something against someone, they have wronged us, they took something from us, you know, they have left us to bear the consequences of the wrong thing that they had done. Mm -hmm. And many of us will hold on to that anger until that person comes back and makes it right. But this principle is completely different to say, no, 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 like you don't have to come back and make it right. I'm gonna make it right. Like I'm gonna make it right and I'm gonna redeem like I'm going to bear the cost of the wrong thing that you did by doing the hard work of recovery. So in this season, for me, all of these unfair things and disappointing things have happened to me. But instead of holding on to anger until I get the answer that I want or deserve, I'm choosing to say, you know, actually, like, I'm going to heal with or without these answers. And I'm going to heal with or without an apology or a response at all. And I'm going to take on the cost of my own healing on my own hands instead of waiting for you to bear the cost of my healing. Even though that's more fair, Mm. I forgive you and I'm going to bear up the cost. 
And I just, I love little storybooky poetry-like things. So the fact that it's a little red flower reaching out from a rock and reaching towards the sun, I just thought that was so poetic and so beautiful. And it really, truly has changed me, like probably forever. Thank you for reading that because it was very poetic and very beautiful. So I don't really have any more questions, but if you want to keep talking, I could listen to you talk all day. (laughs) I'm learning very much that I need to learn and be reminded of in this time of life that is very bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. There's a poem that I actually wanted to share with you. It's another piece of the map of how to get through seasons like this of disappointment or uncertainty or anger or unfairness. Mm. Um, this is from a book called The Cure for Sorrow, and it is a book of blessings. Um, this one is called Jacob's Blessing. For those of you who aren't familiar with Jacob or with the Bible, there's a story in the Bible where Jacob wrestles with this angel through the entire night long. And this angel <laughs> really like won't let up. And they're just wrestling like from dusk until dawn. And Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. The angel does bless him, but also um, during the course of the fight, Jacob's hip was knocked out of socket and it made him walk with a limp. And then in the morning, he finds out the angel that he was wrestling with was actually God. So that's the background of this poem. If this blessing were easy, anyone could claim it. As it is, I'm here to tell you that it will take some work. This is the blessing that visits you in the struggling, in the wrestling, in the striving. This is the blessing that comes after you have left behind everything, after you have stepped out, after you have crossed into the realm beyond every landmark you have ever known. This is the blessing that takes all night to find. It's not that this blessing is so difficult as if it were not filled with grace or with the love that lives in every line. It's simply that it requires you to want it, to ask for it, to place yourself in its path. It demands that you stand to meet it when it arrives, that you stretch yourself in ways that you didn't know you could move and that you agree to not give up. So even when this blessing comes, born in the hands of the difficult angel who has chosen you, do not let go. Give yourself into its grip. It will wound you. But I tell you, there will come a day when what felt to you like limping was something more like dancing as you moved into the cadence of your new and blessed name. And I thought that was so profound because there are love letters and poems and stories and songs and blessings tucked along every difficult path that you will ever walk. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes you really have to wrestle it out. Sometimes you have to stay up all night And sometimes putting yourself in the path of a blessing like that is actually going to wound you at first. Mm -hmm. But if you do stay through the night and refuse to not let go until you're blessed, then like you will come out on the other side and have a new name and be a new person. And that's what I'm experiencing happen to me as difficult and ugly and painful as it has been. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, want to quote every single poem from this book. It's so I loved that. And I love that you have shared everything that you have 
that you're kicking ass. I'm going to say ass and we're going to talk about that all in the same like 40 minutes. And you're just an absolute rock star. I'm so happy that you're feeling better and that you are on a very fast path to healing fully. Yes. And yeah, I'm really glad that you reached out and asked if you could share. Before we end our talk, I have just a few fun, lighthearted things that I've been asking everyone that I've been interviewing. Yeah. Um, they're really random, <laughs> bizarre questions that don't matter at all, but they're really fun to ask people. Compare your driving skills to something. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, like a stream of water coming down from the top of a mountain. That sounds like a great, <laughs> like, <laughs> I would like get fast and you just like follow your instincts, I guess. Okay. I think that my roommates, we decided for me, it was a drunk teenager that's actually in control, even though it doesn't seem like it. That's a, that sounds fun. <laughs> no, it's bad. I'm a terrible driver. <laughs> if you could have someone serenade you over a candlelit dinner, who would it be? Oh my gosh, that's such a great question. <laughs> it would have to be somebody that I don't know because... I didn't, that would be awkward if I knew them. <laughs> but I want to serenade me. Oh, um, oh my gosh. What's that girl's name? Joni Mitchell. Definitely Joni Mitchell. Yeah. And I would be eating dinner by myself with wine. And dinner would just be cheese. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of cheese? Um, I'm a huge sucker for like a really expensive Parmesan, mm -hmm. like dipped in honey. Have you ever had Parmesan, like a really sharp Parmesan with honey before? I have seen someone do that with Gouda. You need to do that for sure. Okay. Oh, this is a good one to end with. It's, it's not a funky question. What do you think is your greatest strength? I really had to grow into this because I haven't always thought that it was a strength, but I think um, my ability to let myself be seen mm -hmm. is like an incredible strength and it is actually contagious to other people mm -hmm. and it makes us all more like the people that we are meant to be yeah we talked about a lot yeah we did and yeah. again I really appreciate it you are so brave and so beautiful and so strong and so inspiring and the list goes on and on and on <laughs> so good talking thank you for having me on this was awesome yeah thank you so much for sharing everything Jane yeah <laughs> If you like what you've heard and want to support this project, if you're streaming on Spotify, it'd be amazing if you follow the podcast and download each episode as you stream them. If you're listening on the podcast's app, please give the show a five-star rating and it will help out immensely. Most importantly, of course, share these episodes with the people that you know. Theme song and audio production by Tip Frank, podcast artwork by Sierra Scott, Lydia Massey, and Kinsey Moroni. I appreciate everyone who's taken the time to listen to this. Until next time.